Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 79, where in a moment we look at investments for cautious investors. And in this day and age, I think cautious investors are increasing in number all the time. So this show could well be for you. That's today's show topic. It's on the way, like I say, in just a second. But please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows. Because in our programmes to date, we featured loads of stuff, mortgages, pensions, investing, life insurance, and loads more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last week, we looked at capital gains tax. Remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or whatever you get your podcast. You'll get us there. Like I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. Whilst you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis. With me as always, the star of our show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you today? Good, thank you. Now, investments for cautious investors. Everything seems volatile all of a sudden, doesn't it? I'd imagine a lot of less risk-averse investors are becoming more cautious by the minute, are they? Yeah, at the moment, there's a lot of volatility about due to the situation in, in Ukraine. And even over the last two, three years, we've had quite a lot of volatility and, and ups and downs. We've had Brexit, COVID for the last couple of years. So all, all of that sort of things. The stock markets have fairly been, been up and down like a yo-yo over that period of time. In fact, for, for a while, gains were doing sort of quite well, but lately there's been a bit more... Like oh, crazy. even on a daily basis at the moment, things can really be be fluctuating and changing. But if you add in the fact as well, inflation is the highest that it's been in the UK for the last thirty years. It's not really an easy time for investors at the moment. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So today's show will address in real terms to the more cautious investor. We'll look at some options and. And then you'll be uh, more equipped to decide where, if anywhere, you want to put your money. That advice coming up. But first, by way of recap, talk me through just investing in general and how an investor weighs things up. I mean, you talk a lot at the outset about your attitude to risk, don't you? Yeah, that, that's something I've mentioned in, in quite a number of our podcasts. And when, when someone speaks to a financial advisor, one of the key things that they'll look at is someone's attitude to risk. Um, many advisors will complete some sort of questionnaire with clients, asking them how they would feel in, in certain situations. A lot of advisors as well, what they'll be doing is having detailed discussions around risk with their, their clients. Risk can be a bit subjective, but you get different categories. So some people might come out as cautious, some might be balanced, speculative. Different firms will use different terminology for, for that, but that's just a few of the kind of categories that that people might might come out as. And, and people don't necessarily fit into just one category. I mean, a, an example of that, like for, for myself, I'm, I'm a lot more of a risk taker. I'm comfortable. I, I'm an experienced investor. I've, I've had money in different things over the, the years. And so, for example, my pension, I take an awful lot of risk with that. But I know that that's going to be something that I'll probably not access for about 20-odd years. So, so for that, 
I would probably be seen by many as maybe speculative or so, some firms use the word aggressive. I don't really kind of like that. It's, it sounds a bit... He's an aggressive uh, pensioner. I know. <laughs> but, um, and, and then for other things, I can be more balanced or, or even more cautious on, on certain mm. things. So d- different people might have a different attitude to risk for different investments that, that they've got. And at, at the moment, a lot of people and a lot of investors are understandably wary at the moment. So um, I thought it'd be a good to, to cover some of the investment options that are a bit more on the cautious side. And I, I'd mentioned earlier about inflation and you, you'll get some, I, I know some firms I've worked with in the past, they, they would have a definition that'd say no risk, but really you've always got inflation risk. So I would always argue that nothing comes without any risk at all. But we'll go through some options here today, some products that have got capital guarantees, others that are classed as more cautious. We'll cover quite a few different things, I'm sure. Okay, you mentioned there about risk, and here's another one that I hear all the time when it comes to investing, risk versus reward. Presumably, it's a case of speculate to accumulate. The greater the risk, the higher the potential return on investment. Yeah, that's it. Usually the more risk someone takes, the bigger potential rewards that they have. And the the old risk warning comes up a lot. Past performance isn't a guide to the future performance. And that certainly comes into play here because the past isn't always an indication. But generally, as a a rule of thumb, you normally tend to find that the bigger risk someone takes, the greater the the potential the rewards are. With, With more cautious investments, what I would say there is the main aim is probably to beat the returns that you would get in a bank or building society account and also to try and provide returns that keep pace with inflation or or beat inflation as well. So for, for a cautious investor, that, that would really be what you're, you're looking to do. Okay. Another thing that I suppose you, you have to take into account is, is how much are you comfortable with losing in terms of money? I mean, you wouldn't be investing at all if you didn't have funds to do that, but that's not the same thing as how much you're comfortable about losing, is it? Tell me about capacity for loss. Yeah, like capacity for loss is, is quite a big one too. And, and that's something, again, financial advisors would look at when they're speaking to someone about their, their money situation and, and investing. If, if someone, to, to give you an example, if someone was a millionaire, they, they might think, right, we can afford to take some more risks with some of their capital. They, they'd be able to take more risks than someone that maybe only had, for example, £5,000, that they that was maybe their emergency fund money. I mean, if, if that was a the situation, then they can't afford to, to lose that money because they might need to rely on it at, at some point in time. So financial planners and financial advisors, they, they'll go through not just someone's attitude to, to investment risk, but they will also look at things like what's your capacity for loss and can you are you comfortable with, with things going up and down? There's a lot of different ins and outs that they'll look at there. Okay, we mentioned at the start of the show, this one is is to help out cautious investors so they can still look to do that, but with less risk attached. Presumably for the the more secure investors, those who can afford to take more risk, now is actually the time where they could really end up making a killing because everything is just all over the shop. Or is it still still too volatile even for them, Phil? I mean, just now, one thing that's hard to do is to time the market and go in at a certain point. I mean, you, you could go in at a certain point and things could go down even further. And I've, I've seen that happen to, to folk before. You do get a lot of people who are maybe a bit speculative and they think, right, I just want to try and time things right. But when, when things are down, if someone, like, like myself, when, when I see stock markets go down, I see that as an opportunity 
I, I look at, I mean, a lot of people are often wary thinking, oh, I don't want to invest just now. Things are volatile. But I know for me, I, I do. I, I see that as a, an opportunity. And it's just human nature, I guess, that a lot of folk will be put off. But when they see things going up and down, they'll think, mm, I'll just kind of hold off for, for a time being. But it just seems to be the way people are wired, is it? They, they kind of often panic when, when markets go down. And I mean, if you are invested in something and, th- and it goes down, if you take it out, that's when you potentially would lose. But if you leave things in and you're prepared to ride out any kind of periods of volatility, you will generally tend to find that over the longer term, things will come back and then hopefully flourish going forward as well. Okay. Let's assume, Phil, I'm, I'm here to invest a little, but ultimately be you know secure in the longer term. What, what might I try? Yeah, I would say, I mean, one, one option and probably the most commonplace for cautious people is to put their money in the bank or building society. At the moment, though, interest rates are still historically really low. The Bank of England rate is, is still low. And, and the rates that you get at the bank and building society just they still aren't great. And, and again, keeping up with inflation, they, they're nowhere near it. I mean, I, I had a look earlier today. The, the best one-year fixed-rate bond that I could see was around about 1.5% was the interest rate on that. Even if you put your money away for, for two years, you still weren't getting anything paying over 2%. So if given that inflation at the minute is over 5%, putting your money into that sort of thing means that in real terms, you're actually losing out at the moment. Okay, so, I mean, that's bank and building society accounts. There's another thing I've heard of called structured deposits. Tell me about that. Yeah, structured deposits, they've been around for for several years now. I think the the first I kind of came across them was maybe about 12, 13, 14 years ago, roughly, that there was a company called Investec Structured Products. They entered the marketplace, and at the time when they came into it, they had some real cracking options. At, At the time that they launched... The, the FTSE 100 index was was really quite low. And it, with, with that one, that some of the returns, I, I remember I had some clients in some of that structured deposits that were getting returns about 8 to 10% a year at that point. But over time, the returns reduced and then eventually Investec actually stopped. Due, I think it was last year or the year before they actually pulled out of that market. But the, the way structured deposits work is, your capital is usually guaranteed on them or a certain amount of your, your capital. The, the returns are usually then dependent on something like, for example, the FTSE 100 index. So if over a period the index goes up, you get a return of X amount at, at that point. And one example I can give is that there's a plan available at the present time where you get 3.5% gross interest for each year that your money is in, where the FTSE 100 index is at or above the initial level of the index on the anniversary of it. So it gives you the potential for better returns, but without your capital being at risk. But one one downside with this type of investment is they often have a minimum term of maybe five or six years. So not everybody's willing to put money away for for that length of time. Over the years, I've I've recommended some structured deposits with Barclays. They they still do them. Investec, as I mentioned, have have stopped doing them now. And RBS was one that used to do that type of investment as well. But you you are finding there's not as many companies out there. You you also get um, or structured deposits are covered by what's called the, the Financial Services Compensation Scheme. But you, you also get what's called structured investments. 
they carry a lot more risk. So you've got structured deposits and structured investments. The structured deposits are covered by the, the financial services compensation scheme, but structured investments aren't. So there's an awful lot more risk attached to them. So what happens is if, if one of the, the counterparties was to go bust, you could lose money in that situation. So it, for a cautious investor, they're looking more for what's called structured deposits. Okay. And just the, the sort of downside there, you said as it rolled past, I thought the downside is you can't get access to your money quickly. That would be the, the sort of main down there. Yeah, with, with yeah. a lot of that type of investments, then there used to be ones where they had a ter- minimum term of maybe three years but a lot of them, it tends to be five or six years that your, your money's in. Some of them might have an option where they can come out early, but usually if you want that money out early, there's usually some sort of penalty, penalty or, or yeah. you maybe can't get it out early. Okay. You mentioned earlier the idea of guarantees in some of these investments. How does that work? And, and what exactly is guaranteed, Phil? Yeah, several providers. I mean, they, they've got investment funds that, that come with guarantees. One that, again, that I had used with, with clients in the past, Aviva, have got what's called their, their guaranteed fund. They, they've actually got a couple of different options on, on this one just now. They, they've got the guaranteed 100 fund. That's one where it, it guarantees to return at least 100% of the amount that you invested. It's got a low equity content. So they are tending to, to invest in more cautious sort of investments with, with that one. But Aviva's also got, they, they call it the guaranteed 90 fund. And what happens with that one is 90% of the amount that you invest is guaranteed. So you always know you've got a wee bit of loss, or you could have a wee bit of loss on that one, but you're always guaranteed that you're going to get back 90% of the money that goes in. Now, with both of these guaranteed funds, the guarantee is only applicable on the fifth anniversary of when you've put the money in. So, So with a guaranteed 100, only on that one day, in five years' time, if you went in today, are you guaranteed to get back the, the amount? So the, the underlying fund itself can fluctuate up or down. And, and you'll find with the, the guaranteed 91, Aviva are taking a wee bit more risk with that one. So they'll invest the money in slightly different. They'll probably have a wee bit more in the stock market, for example, in that one than they would the, the guaranteed 100 fund. But re- reasons to look at that guaranteed one is that for some people, they just like to know that on a certain date, they're going to have at least their capital returned to them. The good thing with Aviva, with, with that guaranteed funds, is that you can take the money out at any time. But if you went into it and let's say a year later, you wanted the money out and at that point the fund was down, you may get la- less back at that point than, than what you paid in. But likewise, if the fund was doing quite well, you might think, right, I'll just take it out now. Forget about the guarantee in five years' time. I, I just want to, to take that money out. So that, that's kind of how that one works. They, they invest the money. Some, some of it goes into corporate bonds and gilts, which is often seen as being a bit less risky, especially than a lot less risk with that than it is stock market or equity investments. They also invest a wee bit of money into commercial property. They, they hold a bit in cash as well. So they, they spread the money across a wide kind of different areas there. But for, for that one, you, you've got, I mean, that, that's the one with Aviva. Other providers have got options where, where your capital is guaranteed. I know Prudential used to have one. It was called the 
the Proof Fund Protected Cautious Fund, and they also had the, the Proof Fund Protected Growth Fund, but they actually discontinued that options because demand was low. But again, the guarantee would kick in at some point, maybe six, seven, eight years in the future. So a, a lot of folk, because they kind of thought, right, if I'm invested for that period of time, it's unlikely that it's going to be less at that point than what I originally put in. We, we found that the uptake for that type of product was was quite low. But coming back to the Proof, they, they've got one that's been quite popular in the past. They, they've got what's called their Proof Fund, Cautious Fund. Now, at the moment, it's got an expected growth rate of 4.3%. So that, that's kind of like what they're expecting that fund to do. And they, these funds, they're, they're similar. To, they, there used to be an investment that you got in the past called With Profits Funds. The way that they worked was that the, the insurance companies, they would keep back some of the profits from the good years to kind of almost subsidize the years where things weren't so good. So it, you come across a lot of older investments where these with profits investments, but the companies could apply what was called a market value reduction. And, and it wasn't very transparent. So what Pru have tried to do with this Pru fund, cautious fund, it's very similar to a with profits investment but instead of doing the, this market value reductions they, they can impose an adjustment on the fund but they try to make it a lot more transparent so for example when I look at the, the fund fact sheet for the proof fund cautious one it's quite good because it shows me again where, where the money's in, invested I mean the, the objective of this fund is over a medium to long term period to provide you with a better return than what you would get in the bank or building society. And what, what they're also looking at as well is to try and keep pace with inflation. So I mentioned on the, the Pru fund, cautious fund, mm. um, the expected growth rate just now is 4.3% on that. So it's not quite at, at what inflation is, but then inflation is higher than, than what it would usually tend to be. But on, on this Pru fund, cautious fund, they invest, they, at the minute they've got, about 11% in UK equities, 5% North American equities, we bit in European equities. They've got a lot in, in what's called fixed interest. They've got about 8% of the funding commercial property. They are tending to try and take a more cautious approach. And this fund it is designed for people who want to see more steady approach on their investments. Aviva, they, they launched about four years ago. They've got one that they call it their smoothed fund. And again, if you saw a graph of that one, it's one that uh, just over time gradually takes over to rise. Yeah. But um, with, with a lot of these funds, I mean, like this Prue fund, cautious one, it can go down. But the, the performance of it over the years, I mean, I, I was having a look. Over the last year, the, the fund itself, this was from the end of January 21 to the end of January 22, the, the fund itself had gone up 9.6%. The year before it was 2.8. The year before that was 4.6. year before that, 2.4. The year before that, 7.5%. So wow. if you average that out over a five-year period, it, it's done pretty well. But there are times where, where it can go down. I mean, at, at one point, the fund was adjusted down by almost 10%. I think that was around about the, the start of the, the pandemic. At, at one point there, they, they had to make, they call it a unit price adjustment. So it, they, they tend to only do that if it's more 
significant circumstances and markets if they've dropped a lot. But then in, in certain other investments at that period of time, they would have dropped a heck of a lot more than that. So they're trying to ride out all the, the big ups and downs that you can sometimes see on other types of investment. Okay, I want to go back to the Aviva Guaranteed Fund, just yeah. because you mentioned that a moment or two ago. You said that the guarantee is that on one day at the end of year five, let's say, they guarantee that they'll match what you put in. Yeah. Okay, so you're never going to lose money on it. But at some point within those five years, you may be losing. You may also be above where you were. Is it under, I mean, are they obliged to say to you and give you financial advice throughout those five years? Let's say it's a five-year thing. Are they obliged to say, well, actually, if you go and have a look now, you're 20% up on, on where you started. And, it, you know, it's actually worthwhile you sort of cashing out at this point, maybe. What, what the providers, so like Aviva, what they'll do is they'll usually send out an annual statement. Right. You usually have access where you can check out valuations online on your investments as well. They've actually got quite a, a good client website and a good one for, for advisors to, to use and look at as well. If, if you're using a financial advisor, most of them will recommend that you take ongoing financial advice. And if, if that was the case, they would be keeping in touch with you and, and they would be letting you know, right, this is how it's performing. Mm-hmm. Do we need to, it's now a good time to look at other alternatives. So that, that's where a good financial advisor, if, if you're paying for ongoing financial advice, that's where they would come into the equation there. Because that strikes me as a, almost like a win-win. If you've got money at all to invest, and you're guaranteed after five years you wouldn't have lost any. Taking on a financial advisor to say, well, yeah, okay, you haven't lost any, but in actual fact, you made some. If you come out now, you owe us this much, and you'll still make this much profit. That's that sounds like a good deal with me, Phil. Yeah, they've. I mean, in the past, it, it's been quite a popular investment at, at times. One of the things that's not so good though is that you've got the, there's an extra charge. I think on the the guaranteed 100 fund, you, you pay an extra half a percent a year in charges for, for right. that fund. So, so some advisors would look at it and think, well, as, or, or clients as well, they, they would look at it and think, right, you've got extra expenses there. And mm. I know for, for me personally, I, I look at things and I think, right, I mean, in, in five years' time, there's no guarantee that, that stock markets would be higher than what they are today. Mm. But there's a pretty good chance that over a longer period, things will kind of rise. So I, I know a lot of people look at it and they think, well, you're paying for a guarantee that, I, I don't know, not that you're never going to use, but I, I know it it's all depends on what somebody's comfortable with at the end of the day. So products like these, they've, they've got their place. And I, I know over the years, I, I, I had done a few in, in years gone by. Some of them have done okay. Some of them, the returns haven't been great. And they, they, but again, they, they've probably been better than what folk have had had they been invested in a bank or building society. And that that's kind of the pretty much the aim of this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Now, whenever we, we talk about investing, I, I don't know what sort of radio stations you listen to or what TV channels you watch, but I see stuff like this all, all the time about not alternative investing, but things that you wouldn't traditionally think of. I always think of Goldfinger. Remember the Bond buddy? He just loved gold so much. That's what his son called his money into, and he was high risk because he broke into Fort Knox. But people people do still invest in things like gold, don't they? Is it is it worth their while? Well, at, at the moment, things like gold, pe- people often see that as a safe haven in troubled times. But well, I suppose one advantage with gold is that you've got a physical asset there. One disadvantage, though, is that gold doesn't produce any 
interest or, or income mm. at all. The, the price of gold can fluctuate massively. So for me, if, if someone's a cautious investor, I would actually be saying, look, that really isn't a, a cautious investment at all because so although a lot of people view it as a, a kind of safe haven, it really the price of it can fluctuate so much. Mm. What about um, other options for investing, Phil? I mean, I've heard of people investing in everything from from wine to art to first edition books to vehicles to property to cryptocurrency. Anything that's really worth a look? So I, I went on to, to Google earlier and I typed in cautious investments. One of the things that came up was it was investments in kegs of whiskey. There you go. So, some people might <laughs> see that as a, a good investment. But again, I, I would say for a cautious investor, that, that's maybe the sort of thing that if somebody's got a lot of money and they've got a, a keen whiskey drinker, they might think, oh, I'll just have that fun and, and go for something like that. But I, I think when people are investing money, you've got to look at all the, the different options and weigh up the, the pros and cons as well. And sometimes things that people are trying to put across as cautious aren't really all that cautious mm-hmm. at all. But another area that, that folk could consider, things like premium bonds. We, we did do a show on that before that's an investment where you've got your, your capital is at least secure and there we did do a whole podcast on them mm. and that was episode 47 that was in august <laughs> last year so if someone was looking to find out about premium bonds we've got a whole show on on that one but so some people view property as a, a more cautious investment it, and, and you've got commercial property but also residential property but again house prices can can rise and fall so so, some folk will look, I've had people say to me in the past, ah, I didn't want to invest into whatever that was. I'm, I'm just going to invest into maybe a buy-to-let property. But buy-to-let investments, I mean, yeah, some people have done very well and the, the house prices have risen and, and give them a good sort of growth on, on that. And then they've had the income from the, the rent as well. But that's not without risk because you, you can have periods of time where a property is maybe not leased out property prices can fall as well. And also what you'll you'll find is that tax positions can change. So you might think, oh, that's quite a good tax efficient investment just now, but things change all the time. So risk can be quite a subjective thing. And that's to, to one person, they might say, oh, well, I think that's a more cautious investment, whereas others would look at the same thing and think, well, really, it, it's actually not. Mm. What sort of charges do we have to look out for in this kind of stuff, Phil? Yeah, I mean, it all all depends on the, the investment. I mean, like the that structured deposits that I mentioned earlier, you tend to find that the, the charges for that are often built into the, the product charges. Ones like that, that Aviva, the, the guaranteed 100 fund, they, they've got a charge for the, the guarantee of um, it's half a percent a year. And then the guaranteed 90, it, it's got a charge of 0.35%. So it's less on, on that one. You, you might find if you're using a financial advisor, they're likely to have some sort of costs. A lot of financial advisors will, will charge something for setting up an investment initially. And then they, they usually tend to recommend kind of looking after things for you on a, an ongoing basis as well. But th- that, that's the sort of thing. Before you do any investment, it's good to look at all the, the costs, look at all the pros and cons of it. And that's where a, a good financial advisor can come in. They can keep you right with, with all of that sort of thing. I'm guessing there must be a, a point of reference for this, Phil. I mean, there must be some sort of way of, you know, of analysing a science to it, if you like. Otherwise, it's just a crapshoot. You'd be as well throwing it on a roulette wheel. So some things, I mean, like, 
the some of that structured deposits, they, they would be harder for for a like an investor to look up themselves. Financial advisors have often got I me. Mean, we, we've got a website that we pay for at, at our office that, that keeps us up to date with that. There's a website called Money Facts. It's quite good for us to, to keep up to date with, with various things as well. I'd say if, if you've got a financial advisor, they've got the knowledge of all these different options that, that's out there. With, with myself personally, I, I've not actually been an advisor for, for a few years now. And it was only in the last few days doing some research for this that I found out that that proof fund, they, they've got that cautious one, they've got a growth fund, they, they've got a lot of different options, but that protected options, when I was asking them if they were still around, they're like, nope, they're gone. But a lot of financial advisors would know that because they're dealing with things day in, day out. And whereas my role at the company I own is just running things these days as opposed to actually advising. But I would always say, go and speak to an independent financial advisor. They've got access to the whole marketplace. Some, some tagged advisors or there's something called restricted advisors, they can only advise on certain products. Whereas if you speak to an independent financial advisor, they can look at all these different guaranteed products, structured products. They, they can look at all of this sort of thing for you. I know we've spoken before about the idea of ethical investing as well. I'm just thinking when you choose to invest in something, do you know where your money actually goes? I mean, some, some of these things that you've spoken about, you, you know, you, you're told what they're investing in. But do you always know what they do with your money? Yeah, I mean, that, that's one thing. That a lot of the investment funds are very transparent. So it'll tell you the, the sectors that they're investing in. You, you get some funds that will invest in other funds. But if you look up, or one thing a, a financial advisor has got access to is the, the various fund fact sheets. So that'll tell you exactly what companies they're investing the money in. So, for example, if, if you were looking at some of these more ethical or, or ESG funds, you, you'll tend to find that it'll list the companies that, that they're invested in. A lot of your big pension funds, they, they used to invest a lot. Well, a number of years ago, they used to invest a lot in the financial services companies. And then once the banking crisis came, they weren't investing in them near as much as, as what they had before. But mm-hmm. it is possible that the fund fact sheets that, that we can access tells you exactly the companies that, that these funds are investing in. Okay. And last of all, Phil, I mean, pound cost averaging. I hear that banded around a lot as well. What is that exactly? Yeah, it's it's another way of, of kind of reducing risk. And probably a good example of that is if, if you're paying in this to an investment on a monthly basis, you're buying in at different points in time. So if you were paying in monthly just now, if stock markets were down, you're buying in when they're down. Markets may rise so that the following month you've maybe bought in when things are a bit higher. So, so volatility can actually be a really good thing if you're paying in on a regular basis. And they call that pound cost averaging because right. you're kind of averaging it out over a period. And another thing for someone looking to invest money, I get a lot of folk that, they often just think, right, I've got X amount to invest. I want to put it in. Like, let's say you've got 50,000 to invest. You don't have to invest it all in one go. You might think, right, I'll invest 10 grand this month, 10 grand next month, same the month after. And again, you're buying in at different points. So that, that's another way of kind of just spreading the, the kind of risk. But you, you do tend to find a, a lot of folk will, will have, when they're coming to investments, they'll say, right, I've got this amount here. I want to put it into something. And but and, and even looking at a combination of things, I, I've had clients in the past where, where the I, I mean, I, I remember one client 
can't remember the amount, but let, let's just say it was £30,000. We maybe put 10 grand into the, the Aviva Guaranteed Fund, 10 grand into a structured deposit and 10 into something else. So you didn't have to put your eggs all in one basket. That, that's mm. another great thing with, with it. No, I tell you though, the, the fear when someone's got, as you said, 50,000 uh, and they want to invest, you say you can put 10 in one month, 10 in the next, and you can choose what you want to put it in. My fear would be that I'd want to put it in a fruit machine, Phil. That that would be <laughs> that, would, that would be my, my problem. Okay, so to, to round all this up, because we've covered quite a bit of ground here, but so to round it up for our, our more cautious investor, what are the, the real takeaway points to note from today's show? Say if, if you are more cautious... Look at all the different options, weigh up what's out there. But at the end of the day, you've got to go for something that you're comfortable with. Everyone likes the idea of getting great rewards and good returns, but often to get that, you do have to take a wee bit more risk. So you've got to be comfortable with, with whatever you're going into. Okay. Here we go, Phil, as we enter into the part of the show where you share your own life story. Um, and I do like when you talk about investments. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> I think I'm living vicariously through your investments. What have you got regarding this one, investments for cautious investors? So that's it. For me, I, I've always been more of a risk taker. So a lot of the stuff that I've done in the past, I, I can I, I know that often when stock markets go down, at some point they're going to bounce back. And, and so I like I said, I, I see times of volatility as, as almost like opportunity as well. But so I, I personally am more on the speculative kind of side, but um, there, there are some investments that I would think, right, I maybe want to be a bit more cautious with, with this. But it is, it's it, for, for people, it's being comfortable with what they're doing. And um, some people just don't like seeing things fluctuating up or down. Uh, we always do this bit as well, Phil. You, you find inspiration, I know, through various folk that you admire. You love a quote. Have you got one that fits our subject matter for the episode on investments? For cautious investors. Got one from a chap called Robert Kiyosaki. We've mentioned him in, in previous podcasts before. His his quote is, be careful who you get advice from. I get advice from people who are where I want to be. Good thing to have. Now, Phil is uh, really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if you wish. Let's get on to this week's contact details in a second. Give it to you after these. Here's our first question. Hi, Phil. My boss has told me he's planning to retire from the business soon, but that he doesn't want it to simply fold or be sold to somebody he's never met. He preferred the company to stay in the family, as it were, and wonders if I might be interested in a management buyout of the company. I don't have the first idea if this is a good thing or not, or whether I'd be able to afford to do it. Where do I start? Management buyouts, that's something I've got a lot of experience in. But I guess one of the good things there is that the person who may be looking at taking it over will know the business quite well and how it operates. So that, that would be a, a positive thing there. What I'd probably say in this instance is maybe go and speak to an accountant. They, they can crunch the numbers, have a look at things, see if it's worth buying. They, they can also speak to you about things like, they, they, they probably have contacts in the financial world if you needed to fund the, the purchase as well. That would be something I'm sure they would be able to point you in the right direction with. But they, they can also speak to you about all the different, any tax implications. And I'd probably say that would be something more for them that they'd have more experience in. Okay, this one is from Ian in Dundee. Ian asks, hi, Phil, am I allowed to open an ISA for my kids? 
as well as myself. I think what you're saying here really is if I've got more than my allowance for my own ISA, can I stash my cash in, in something in my kid's name? I think that's the idea. You, you can put money into an ISA for, for your kids. As long as they're under 18 and you've got parental responsibility, you, you can put that in. You've got to remember as well that the, the limits on junior ISAs are less and also they kind of get that money out until a certain age as well. So worth looking into to that sort of things as well for Ian. Okay. Uh, I would just say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a lot of stuff so far and we may have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Mellis. Thank you for joining us as well for the uh, UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel that you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or on the Facebook page of the show, search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn too, or you can email Phil a question that he can answer on a future show. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question and Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. Please be assured we won't use your real name if that's how you prefer it. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us and please follow us on Apple or whatever you get your podcast. That way you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to make help that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening.